Hello, and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast for Thursday, July 27th, 2017, otherwise known as Take Your Pants to... Oh, no, I'm sorry. Take Your Pants for a Walk Day. I almost said Take Your Pants to Work Day. That's yeah, even that's more crucial. Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, day. I, ce- pan- I celebrate that every day. <laughs> yeah, for real. I hope so, at least. But yeah, take but your anyways, pants for a walk. Was... Yeah, take them for a walk. So where, where would your pants like to go? Yeah, you know, the mall. The mall, really? Why yeah. not? Yeah. You don't think you it's got wanna... like flashbacks or something? Like, oh god, <laughs> I was in a storage closet for three months before I got sold. <laughs> or maybe they want to go <laughs> see some of their friends or meet some new people. Meet That's some new true. Pants. Did you ever see that movie where it was? Uh, it's like a Seth Rogen movie where it's that same idea, but it's with the grocery store. No, it's an animated movie. Sausage oh. like, All the food comes sausage to life. Party, right? Yeah, sausage yeah. party. Yeah. Oh, party! That was pretty yeah, funny. Very inappropriate. Don't see it with your kids, but pretty funny. Awesome. Dude, you know, uh, never mind. I'll sk- I'm not going to say this. Never mind. Let's let's move on. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to say anything uncouth. So what uh, are you guys working on? Chris, what do you got? So this weekend, let's see. I, I, I built that uh, workbench that I was talking about, the plywood workbench. Nice. Um, and then I sold my old workbench, put it up oh, on really? Facebook Classifieds. You guys ever use Facebook Classifieds? I did, yeah. That's where I got the. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to skip into what I'm working on, but I'm building a reclaimed table, and that's where I got the reclaimed wood from. Was a, from a Facebook classified. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I was used to. I was used to Craigslist. I came up in the mm-hmm. Craigslist generation, and then I went on there and I posted it, and like didn't hear anything. And then one of my neighbors is like, "Oh, try Facebook classified. Put it on there." I got like so many responses of people wanting it. That's cool. yeah. I guess it makes sense because it's it's such a a good device for sort of local networking. So yeah, I think sense. it's yeah. It's easier for people to just kind of like casually browse since they're probably already on Facebook. And then I think also there's like a little more safety built in with it because at least it's attached to a profile. Right. Are you able to search like when people like if someone found your workbench, did they have to be searching for a workbench or did they see it like just through browsing? I think they could just browse through like tools and then oh, you okay. can set a radius from wherever you live and it'll kind of search the same that. as Craigslist. Okay. Yeah, kind of the same. It's maybe, I don't even think it has like where you type in exactly what you're looking for though. I think you just kind of browse categories. Maybe it Got does. You. I don't know. No, no, okay. it does. It has, it says, what are you searching for? I don't know. Nice. I only used it to sell one thing. So yeah. I don't know. Have you I'll ask, the dining I'll ask Zuckerberg. Oh, yes. <laughs> You have? Uh, uh, yeah. So I haven't seen it yet, but it came, it got delivered to my parents' house um, and they say it's beautiful. I was and, about to say, and then they sent it back. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> they're like, this finish sucks. <laughs> Send it back. No, but uh, yeah, it's got like a, they, they were saying that like they went and checked out the finish and like, it's really nice. I guess it's like baked on somehow. I don't know. I'm not an expert. What, what did it cost to do to finish? 500 bucks. And it's a big piece. So yeah. I think that's well worth it for something that's going to be professional. In fact, it's funny. I just had somebody write in a question to me on, on Instagram today. I don't remember their name, but they basically said, I'm building a dining room table. What kind of finish would you use for a dining table for if you have kids? This guy has kids and he wants something that's robust. And so I told him, hey, if you want something really robust, I actually just paid to have one refinished. It costs 500 bucks. It's going to be, you know, something that I wouldn't even have the capabilities of doing on my own. That said, if it's going to be in my house, and so now I'm not as worried about the finish going bad, I would actually err on the side of something less robust because I would just say it's probably going to get damaged. I want something that I can easily refinish where I don't have to like strip off a ton of finish and then refinish it. So if you just use like a simple oil finish, you know, you can sand it for a couple minutes, put on a new coat of oil, looks good as new. Are you the type of guy that would refinish no. a tabletop? Because I'm not. I'm like once I built it, I'm kind of done with it. In, yeah, in part. my current life now, no. But if I was yeah. more of like a hobbyist who builds a few pieces a year for my house and 
and you know this is my dining room table that I'm taking a ton of pride yeah. in then yeah I could see you know every two years refinish it or something mm-hmm. I've always thought of an idea like that where I actually design where I make like a butcher block style slab and then I make a base for it where it comes out in sort of like 12 inch wide sections so I can just put it through the planer yeah so maybe it's like three of those sections wide and the base sort of compresses them or has a way to clamp them together mm-hmm. and then like every couple of years i just run them through the planer and take a 16th of an inch down and <laughs> put another coat on it but like up. i've always thought of something like that like some way where you can actually because again I, i'm not the biggest fan of the really plasticized protective right. surfaces so i've always you know kind of said oh is there just a way where i can just design it where it just you know i can slowly just <laughs> Every every two years, take down a sixteenth of an inch, another sixteenth, uh, yeah. and just it'll get thinner and thinner and thinner. But uh, uh, something like that has always been an idea that sort of intrigued me. You know, yeah. I used to so the stuff that I used to keep at my house. I had this one coffee table, and I always favored this one kind of oil from a company called BioShield, and it's called Hard Oil oh, Number that. Nine. Yeah. yeah, it's like I always liked it because it doesn't smell chemically. It's just like a very easy finish, mm-hmm. wipe on, wipe off the excess kind of finish. Um, and so I had this coffee table that I had for probably like a year or two and then somebody wanted to buy it, but I had been using it in the meantime. So I was like, okay, let me just refinish the top of it. Cause I've banged it up a little bit. Seriously. Like I, it took 20 minutes to sand it off and to be able to refinish it. And then I just put more of that on and then some poly on top of that so that it was better by the time that I sent it out more protective, but yeah. it's not that bad if you use something like that. No, BioShield was the first finish I ever used for for I think like the third project I did was a was a dining table with like pipe mm-hmm. legs. Yeah. And it, it was really nice. I was looking for like the most food grade finish uh, that I could find. And from, from my internet research, that seemed like to be one of the ones that was well reviewed. Right. The one thing that, you know, wasn't super great about, at least from that int- uh, project, was I had sort of done a whitewashed finish on the table before and it made it a little bit pinkish or a little yellowish because mm. you know yeah you it's got, like kind of that's a tendency issue. with right i think that happens uh, a little bit with like beeswaxy kind of finishes in general yeah yeah so what do you got going mike i got a lot going on this week it's been jam-packed um modern builds merch is out it came oh, yeah. out on tuesday which is tomorrow for the day that we're recording it <laughs> but for you guys it was a couple days ago so if there's anything left, pick it up. I say that being hopeful that it's going to be that maybe there's sold nothing out. left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fingers crossed. You can't even get anything at this point. <laughs> but but all joking aside, if you want to pick something up, modernbuilds.com forward slash store. Go check it out. I got shirts, coffee mugs, hats, all kinds of stuff like that. I appreciate the support. Um, aside from that, I got a couple, a couple projects. Oh, I also assembled a workbench like you, Chris. Nice. Got my $120 one from Harbor Freight. Mm-hmm. And it went together so fast and so easy, and I didn't even have to do anything. So, hundred twenty um, bucks does that come with a vice too? Yeah, uh huh. And it's they're oak. losing money on them. I I honestly, granted, I don't know, I don't know how they're making money off of it because I mean, from my perspective, a vice is like forty bucks at least for a cheap one, because um, it's the kind that mounts to like the tail end of your workbench. Yeah, that's called a tail vice. Sure, correct. <laughs> cool. Oh, I'm sure. asking. No. I have no Absolutely. idea. Absolutely. Okay, cool. This is like I call it a so, butt vice. We're so far from like a woodworking podcast. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't here. know, it's a thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's got a vice on the end of it. It's made out of oak. It's got dog holes, all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely a big upgrade from what I've got, and it you know barely costs more than what it would have cost from materials on my end. Yep. So got that done. I picked up a bunch of reclaimed wood, like I mentioned, 
and I'm building uh, that farmhouse table. I think I've talked about it a little bit. It's going to be a real, real big dining table. I'm wrapping that up this week. And that mm-hmm. video should be out hopefully uh, probably about Friday, Saturday. I'm working to get it done as quick as I can. I'm excited, though, because I'm going to be using... I bet I know Chris. You've probably heard of it because you're you're a wood finish type guy. Have you heard of Mono Coat by Rubio? Yeah, I have. I, that's what you've heard about it, Ben. With. Yep, you were exactly wrong. Okay, so Ben's I heard of it. And I have it. Ben knows. Okay, cool. So what? Like, what's your experience been with that? Because I haven't it's, put it on yet. It's phenomenal. It's a that's pricey, what I'm expecting. It's a pricey proj- uh, product. Yeah, but uh, it's my favorite product for. So I, I, I discovered it when you know I was doing more architecture projects, and that's like one of our go to. Uh, hardwood uh, finishes, for especially for solid oak flooring. Oh, the, wow. I can imagine that would cost a ton to do a floor. Yeah, it's expensive, wow. but yeah. it's uh, it's also a couple products in one. It's the stain mm-hmm. and the hardener all together. Uh, it's pretty easy to apply it for, it has just, they have really tasteful colors for whitewashed oak. Awesome. Well, I'm just doing the clear coat because mm-hmm. it's going to have like a reclaimed, uh, it's Douglas fir, but it's reclaimed like box car flooring. So oh, wow. I'm going to be using that for that. Um, so I just want to do a clear coat so it's a nice raw finish. Um, and then it'll have a maple base, which will look really nice, I think, with a little bit of contrast. Because it's kind of funny when it, I've noticed like when wood ages, especially like pine, like, you know, construction material, like even Douglas fir gets this really like nice, like brown hue to it. I saw it even in, in the reclaimed wood bench that you made, Ben, with those yeah. big beams. A lot of fresh Douglas fir has that like pinkish tone to it that it can mm-hmm. get sometimes. But every time I see Reclaimed, it's got like a really deep, almost brown tone, which is really cool. So I'm playing that, doing that. Uh, I put out the paracord stool video, which I like I've gotten. That. that was yeah, cool. that was really nice. Thank you. Yeah, I thought I've that was some one of really your cool... nicest design projects that you've done so far. Wow, it was it was very it was very inventive, and I think I think I, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I got I, I dug it. <laughs> I appreciate it. I got a comment from somebody. I said, "Wow, looks very Chris Salomoni inspired." Oh, nah. well, now like, we know why I like. And it. I, I, co- I wanted to comment back. I didn't comment back. I should have, but I said it's got way too many curves. Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, yeah, that's, Chris, to me, that's Chris, not Chrissy. Also, the yeah, the the cord, the sort of featuring yeah. the non wood material as like one of the primary things. Hey, Ooh. I'm trying, guys. I'm trying. Ooh, we're calling Chris out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, on my next project, it's gonna be all duct tape. Perfect. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool project. I, I think that it's. Uh, I also think it's a really interesting sort of departure point. Yeah. To see how I would love to see you do like a CNC'd version of that same material sort of mashup, right? right? Because it could do. It would give you some really interesting options for really creating specific paths and channels for the cords that were really, you know, regimented. yeah, to make some really interesting like weave patterns. Yeah, yeah I, I think really you should cool. do a curved rocking chair version with the paracord in between. Man. So it's like a hammock <laughs> rocking chair. It would be awesome. It would be awesome. But I got to learn how to do stuff. In, like I need to learn how to 3D model and stuff first. But yeah, that could be a cool project down the line at least. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty much it going on going on in my world. Yeah. Ben, what are you doing? How was Haven Con? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, no con. I, that's just a, I think it's called the Haven Conference. So okay, that's that's where I was this this weekend. So actually pretty much Wednesday to Sunday of last week. So I'm oh, wow. a little behind on projects that I'm working on. But last, you know, the the last two weeks I've published a lot of videos. So, right. you know, hopefully that's keeping people at bay. <laughs> and uh, But Jamie, uh, my new designer that's now working for me, 
Uh, I think she has a plywood bed project that's coming out soon on the mm-hmm. Homemade Modern uh, channel. And uh, today she's just wrapping up a copper and plywood nightstand. Mm. They're both like pretty cool. and Like the copper pipe? Yep. Oh, yep. sweet. And I love been... those projects. It's like a super cool combo. Yeah. And the copper pipe, everybody thinks copper pipe is so expensive. It's, it's, it's right. really not that bad. It's like mm-hmm. a... If you buy it in 10-foot sections, and you can always have it cut in half there, it's way cheaper than buying it in 5-foot sections. And I think for the half-inch pipe, you can get it for less than a dollar a foot. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, yeah and it's really easy to cut with just a handheld tool. So, yeah, it's a it's a good uh, – it's actually a really good beginner material to start with because it looks really high-end, but it's pretty easy to work with. So I'm just sort of reviewing her content and uh, – you know, making sure since these are just her, these are going to be her first two videos that go on to my channel. So just making sure it's like, you know, it's up to, up to snuff and all that stuff. Um, but it is kind of cool to, you know, I mean, Jesse, my sister has done quite a few projects for our channel, but, you know, just increasing the team size and really, really getting to the point where we're, we're able to put out a lot more projects has been great. And yeah. it sort of takes the pressure off of me in certain ways for volume. And really lets me focus on sort of bigger projects and lets me sort of have the time to do research, right? When, you know, what I've always, you know, it's funny when I was at the Haven conference, you know, I was teaching two workshops, one workshop on, uh, one workshop on video production, and then the other one on sort of introduction to working with concrete. Inevitably, the majority of the questions I get at these conferences aren't so, they're a little bit about design, how would you do this, how would you do this, but most of them are about sort of business stuff. And, you know, what, what I always say is that as long as you're in a situation where you're, you're and so many people are worried that they're not doing enough, or should it be doing this, or should it be doing SEO, should it be doing video too, should it be doing a podcast? And I always say, if you're paying your bills and you're learning at the same time, and your audience is just growing even a little bit year over year, you're in an awesome position. Right. Um, and one of the things that I wanted by sort of bringing on more people uh, was to create more space so I can try things where I don't know what's going to happen. So what that means specifically for what I'm working on now is uh, I did some experiments with the molten metal, and now I'm going to do a whole lot more. Um, right. I'm also finally going to get around to doing the see if I can pull off the fold-out CrossFit gym. Oh, um, nice. Which is a, <laughs> it's a big project. It's a heavy project. Is it going to be one that is like the goal to be able to fit it in your loft somewhere? Yeah, yeah. Nice. I mean, you know, you're not going to get swole without the without the heavy weight. So you yeah, know. no uh, <laughs> muscle ups. Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. He's going to learn his muscle ups. So I think it's a I think it's a project that will. It's both interesting to me because it's a uh, it, you know it's one of those ones that connects different sort of pastimes and activities that uh, people are passionate about, um, and I haven't seen anything else like it. Uh, and it also takes on an interesting lifestyle challenge, right? Is how do you how do you bring something into an urban setting that's traditionally done in more of a suburban setting? I'm excited about all of that. But uh, yeah, then I'll be experimenting more with the molten metal into the pouring it into the cracks of those big reclaimed beams. And yeah. shout out to our listeners. I asked a question last week. You know, what should I use to kind of fill up the the cracks so that the metal just doesn't go right through? And also to conserve the the alloy, which is not cheap. And people have so many good suggestions, like tons of them. Really, some really specific, some sort of counterintuitive, but like you know, really <laughs> readily available things. Yeah. 
And uh, I think the one I'm going to try next is use green sand or casting sand for making jewelry. And I'm oh, just going to yeah. pour the sand into the, the cracks until it's only about, you know, the cracks are only about half an inch deep and then pour into metal. That's perfect. Yeah. I like your chances. Yeah, we'll <laughs> see. We'll see. So I understand we have a few user questions. We got some questions. Or viewer questions. I don't know why I say user. User, I listener. Like you say viewer. user submitted all the time. <laughs> user submitted. Well, they're users yep. of the podcast. Listener questions. You're using our podcast for enjoyment. That's or right. at least to, I don't know, make your day go hey, by. No. <laughs> You're using it for something. So using it for something. We got two questions that kind of go together. They're both more like on the production side, but we'll start with one and then go into the other. So first one comes in from Rob Deckert. He says, when it comes to filming your projects, what goes through your mind when you are setting up and recording every little detail and aspect of how you intend to use it to tell a story? For example, do you plan out your shots, scripts for voiceovers and how it will all relate to tell your story? I think we're going to have three different answers. Oh, yes. Probably. I think this, wants this to, is a good question. Chris, you go first, because I think you're on one end of the spectrum on this. <laughs> yeah, okay. I think so. So I guess I would start by saying that like, even though mine all seem like stories, that part comes later. Like, I don't have the full story in mind while I'm shooting it. I've, I've talked about this a little bit before, but when I first did it, like I was just filming way too much. And I think it mm-hmm. just comes with experience of, of editing together, you know, by the time you've edited together your 20th video, you kind of know, okay, here's the shots that I like to use. Here's the ones that I'm not using. And you just slowly start to phase out those things that you're not using so that you're becoming more efficient. So when I'm filming, I'm not really thinking about the story. All I'm thinking about is making sure that I get variety, I think, and that I'm not over filming things. So, you know, I like to get like a a distance kind of shot and then a medium shot and a tight shot. You know, I really don't think deeper than that in terms of when I'm actually recording it. Then Mm. I guess the story part comes in more in the voiceover section. So my general order is film the project. Then I look at all the footage in, in, or, and kind of just like number it in what should be the, the chronological order of it, you know, what order they should be showing in. Mm -hmm. And then looking at that footage, I kind of write out my script. And I think I've talked about this before, but then, then I'll record it and then I'll actually edit the video to my script. So the audio ends up coming first and then that sets like the timing of everything. And I just put all the video to that. That's pretty funky, man. Yeah. I think it's backwards, (laughs) but I don't know. It's yeah. I I look at it as because I don't want to sit there and take the time to like storyboard everything out. Like that would just, I think that'd be overkill in our space to try to do that. I mean, already what I'm doing is kind of overkill, but that voiceover ends up serving as like the storyboard essentially. Interesting. You guys? Um, I mean, I feel like, I don't, I don't know for sure, but I feel like I probably shoot like the, the least amount of footage of anybody. Um, so like my goal going into it is to use every single clip that I record and if I record it, then it should be used. Or I don't record anything, you know, unless I'm like 98% sure it's going to get used. Okay. So kind of the same idea you have of like, I shoot wide unless there's a specific detail that I need to crop in on. Because a lot of my video is a relatively wide shot, time lapsed. And mm-hmm. then when I get to a detail, I get in close on that detail so I can talk about it. And I slow that footage down a little bit. Okay. And then I pop back out and speed the video back up while I can kind of go over the broader details again. See, so, mine tends to be, sorry to interrupt. No, Mine tends good. to be like a wide shot, mm-hmm. 
a medium shot and then a tight shot and maybe multiple tight shots. But I'd say like when I'm actually filming, probably, you know, if there's, if those are the three different things, probably 60% of it is tight shots. See, mine is probably flipped that because what I found personally, what's, what's tough with me when I'm editing video and it tends to happen because I don't record many extra clips Uh is if I do a lot of tight shots, I kind of get lost and it's like, yeah, I need to, I just need to where I got to like keep putting in an establishing shot somewhere right. so people have a reference for where I'm at. But if I'm, but if I'm able to like keep it generally wide and only zoom in when I need to, uh, that makes a people's attention. I think maybe is a little more focused on what I want them to be focused on. And then uh-huh. B, it just keeps the edit really quick and clean for me because I know it's a lot of, a lot of time lapses and then zoomed yeah. in on something and then whenever i do voiceover obviously for me that's that's my last part of the edit is putting in a voiceover and then the music so or all my shots are establishing shots yeah <laughs> occasionally like i'll do the motto. music and like try and record a little bit to it but it just takes so long that i don't think the payoff is like really quite there uh-huh. i think the payoff would be there if i wasn't doing a voiceover so mm-hmm. someone that i really like watching laura Kampf, mm-hmm. um who yes, is a weekend show alumni makes killer videos and everything is recorded to the beat of whatever she's making really really well but i think that works because there's no voiceover like jumbling all that up but i've recorded to the beat a couple times and then done a voiceover over it and i'm like i don't really i don't know it kind of just gets lost in the mix a little bit so you know what i usually do is i'll record to the beat for like the first 30 seconds or so of the video yeah and then it kind of falters <laughs> off because then you can't really tell anymore but okay. when it's like isolated music and video usually somewhat in the beginning then it's to the beat yeah i okay. always do that for my intros i have everything that's true now that i think about it is like all my first my like first five cuts are all to music but aside yeah. from that then it's just a mismatch i yep. have no rhythm so i just throw it all together <laughs> <laughs> it could um, just accidentally be on beat you never know yeah. Yeah, but you shoot pretty wide, Ben, for the most part, right? Very wide. Well, it's it for me, and it was funny. I, I, I talked about this a little bit this weekend. I don't storyboard anything. Right. What I do is I try to think about uh, what's interesting, and I try to think about it in two different ways. Like, I try to think about what's going to be interesting about the still image, right? Or the, the which for me, my intros are are always a still image. My intros and outros, and so I try to think what will be visually interesting, where it both you can see sort of. It alludes how to how it was made, but also you're kind of curious on how I actually pulled it off, right? Right. So, I my my favorite type projects are are things like the plywood table, where you can kind of quickly get the sense that it was all made out of plywood, mm-hmm. and so even though it's just plywood and it's mostly going to be cuts, hopefully the interest will be on how I fit it out of a sheet. With a thing like the the steel coffee table, you can sort of tell that this was carved from an industrial thing, but I think the immediate thing is going to be did he use a torch or did he do it with an angle grinder or how, <laughs> yeah. or how did he sort of do it? So it I leaves think if, just enough of a question to get people hooked into watching it. Kind right. Because, yeah. again, I, I always think of myself as more of a designer than a maker. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think of the, the thumbnail or the, the, the finished project is going to be the thing that initially captures people's interest. And then the video <laughs> is more in the service of that to show how I did that with my particular... Uh, lack of skill or the, the the limited resources that I have, you know, not really always working in a full wood shop or, or such. Right. Um, occasionally I'll work in some sort of making 
experiments. Like right now I'm experimenting with pouring molten metal into uh, the cracks in a wood. And mm-hmm. I also have a couple kind of really interesting ideas to also do with the metal that I'm not ready to, to disclose yet, but check them out on my Instagram. You'll, you'll <laughs> see some things that mm, I don't think I've seen anywhere out there that are, that are right up, uh, especially to woodworking people's alley. Plug your um, Instagram because it's not homemade modern. Yeah, it's just Benjamin Ueda. You know, yeah. it's, it's the one with all the followers. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just look for the large group of people. Well, as opposed to the other Ben Ueda's out there with that. Oh, there's other ones. Last okay, names. I see. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, to the fake ones, right? I don't I don't have that blue check mark yet, so just You're not verified yet. I know there's been a couple fake ones floating around, so uh just look for the blue or, since there's no blue check mark, look for the one with the followers. Yeah. Um so uh, I'll be doing a couple ex- experiments like that, but I, I think the experiments are important, and I think they're important one for me as a designer to sort of broaden my skill set and to keep things fresh. But I also think they can add a level of visual interest that uh, sometimes a, you know a, a simple sort of you know a more simple looking project can't. So with like the the little side table or stool that I burned away. I think the actual burning process is sort of an interesting thing visually to sort of watch, right? It adds a little bit. So it keeps the video from just being, here's a whole bunch of cuts and then, you know, a finished project, right? So I want to keep trying to add in new techniques or new things and stuff like that to to experiment with the actual techniques of, of making. That being said, there's a lot of things that you can experiment with that don't really translate visually. I mean, I think a lot di- a lot of people struggle with how to make digital fabrication interesting. So sometimes if I'm doing a project where I think that's a little flat, then I'll experiment with the sort of formatting of the video. So an example is like the like a closet organizer I did. Uh, I experimented sort of using overlaying. You know, I kind of ripped this off from a from a YouTuber I'm a big fan of, but sort of overlaying the graphics onto the project, sort of to add an additional level of sort of explaining. So sometimes I'll do that, but for the most part, it's not so much storyboarding because the, my videos are particularly short. It's really just thinking of what is going to capture people's interest from the first point, both to make them sort of want the want the finished project or be interested in how the finished project was made. You know, it's kind of weird. This is, and this is, I think it's dumb, but in the first couple videos that I did, for some reason I had it in my head that like, I didn't, like I had to have a reveal at the end of the finished piece. And I think that's probably comes from like watching, I don't know, like HGTV. Yeah. Those kind of shows where they reveal the room at the end. Uh And so I tried to do that the first couple of times. And then I was like, this is stupid. This, I mean, first off, you've probably already seen the picture of the thing in the thumbnail. So it's already not going to be a reveal. That's what I do though. Don't hate on it. (laughs) <laughs> you do no you don't you show pictures of your stuff i mean yeah what do you mean though okay i it, think i'm confused on what no you're no talking i was about tr- no okay so i still do have like at the end like here's all the finishing beauty shots oh you're talking about showing it to someone no i would like, try oh. to n- not let people see it like i didn't want people to see it until then so obviously oh. like you know in the thumbnail you're already gonna have seen it so Got now it's you. usually in the thumbnail you'll see it in the very beginning of the build you'll see it then it'll be the whole build and then like the beauty okay. shots at the end but you just show like teasers until the final shot. Yeah, that's okay. what I tried to do with the first couple. But I think that was like bad. I don't know, thinking. man. That video, that first couple of videos performed really well. Might have been did. the secret to success. It was, oh. it was it's on the sauce. Speaking it's the secret of, to getting long watch time. YouTube likes watch time. Speaking of, of experimenting and, and that, did any of you guys get anything in the mail lately? Oh, I yeah. didn't get mine yet. What's going on? 
uh oh, that's because he US didn't actually service. send it to you. <laughs> no. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I got uh Ben. I think you mentioned it on the podcast a long time ago. It's been a minute, but uh, I got a full leather hide from from the one and only Ben Ueda. And, and Tandy I need le- courtesy Tandy leather. Courte- yeah, courtesy of Tandy leather, which they're super nice people. They're the most. Granted, I've only been into one leather shop in my life, but they were so helpful. And I feel like everyone that because I've talked to Johnny Brooks whenever I talk to him on this show. It, same with you is like every time like he went in there, I went in there. I just walked in. I'm like, I've never done this before. What should I buy? They were like, they didn't hate me for not knowing what I was doing. They were super cool. So I've, I've never been into a specialty kind of shop. Yeah. Where people were more helpful. Like yeah. uh, I, I've been to the one here in uh, outside of Boston and it was fantastic. Like exactly the, the people that work there were re- like one girl like makes uh, saddles and and the other one was making like bags and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they had like just a wealth of knowledge and not just pushing the stuff they sold there. They're telling like all sorts of techniques for things that, right. uh, you know, for, for sort of ancillary things and stuff like that. So Very shout cool. out to Tandy Leather for for hooking us up. They're not officially a sponsor, but when people are nice to us, we try to try to give them a shout out. We're just trying to get them to sponsor us by doing this. No, <laughs> no, so if you're listening, uh, Tandy Leather. So yeah, if you're listening, we've got ad spots available. Wink, wink. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> but no, my leather is a, uh, it's like a medium tone. It was, it's a relatively light brown tone. Check my Instagram if you want to see it. I think that's called I a had cognac. No I- yeah, yeah. I had no idea how big a full hide was because a while back whenever I did my leather project, I think I, I bought, I think it's called a side, which is yeah. a half, correct? Yeah, that's a full one. Yeah. And then, so this one was a full one and I don't, I don't know why. I, I mean, granted it's twice it's the size of the one it's I got, a whole cow. but it's freaking yeah. big. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really big. So yeah, I almost want to use one just as like an area rug in my loft. Man, I know straight up. I had a couple people comment on my post saying like, I would just use that as a rug. I'm like, it's not a bad idea, but what are we going to do with them? I feel like we need some way to like do something. I don't know. Yeah, I think that, that the leather I sent you is really good for upholstering. Yeah. Um, it's probably, I don't think that one is like thick enough to be used for like one of those sling chairs or something right. like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. I think it's been a while since you've done any sort of upholstered or soft good things. Like I think yeah. that could be kind of cool. I think a, like kind of like a, you know, a bench cushion, something like that. I think there's, I think you, you know, I want to do, stuff. so the next room remodel I'm about to start here in the next couple of weeks is going to be a bedroom. So I don't, I don't think that'll work. But after that, I think I want to do a living room, which will involve a sofa. So I might mm. just have to incorporate it in there somehow. But I'd also don't want to rip you off, Ben. So no, I have to figure out he something. He owns the leather sofa space. Well, no, I'll have to figure out a new way of like attaching it to the foam. See if uh, I can well, figure something it, out. It's interesting. Like if you look at, if you look at any furniture catalog and you look at sofas, a lot of them are just like a slight. 10% design difference from the one next to it, right? Well, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. If that's you look true. at restoration <laughs> hardware or IKEA, you know, either higher or sort of low end, they have a lot of sofas within their own inventory that are that are pretty similar. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think it's, you know, it's it's sort of ripping off to do a, a sofa. I think inherently <laughs> because it's in a DIY context, people will sort of say that. But they would never say that, like they never walk around like a showroom and be like, right. oh my God, this one's <laughs> almost like this one. It's such a ripoff. Right. <laughs> That's true. All we're doing is giving more options for people. You know what I mean? So, yep. but no, I think it'll, I think it'll be really cool to maybe do a sofa or a project I've wanted to do for a little while. And I know there's content out there, but 
but I think it would be, it, I think it would still be a cool show is going out to like local kind of like thrift or resale shops, finding an old set of chairs that, that have a really nice frame, but maybe have an ugly cushion, mm-hmm. um, some like classic, maybe some actual, like actually vintage, like mid-century chairs or something like that. And then reupholster them with like a leather cushion and back. That could be really cool. Maybe. So I don't know. I'm keeping my eyes out though for, for what to use it on. Nice. I'm keeping my eyes out for the leather. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be here any day, though. Hey, you know, yeah, it takes longer to get to uh, California from Boston, I guess. Than yeah, that's and, true. It's and, only and, half the distance to me. Yep. And speaking of California, I'm gonna be out there probably sometime next month. So we we'll have to plan Which our part? first sort of uh, Santa Barbara area. Ah, how Mike. far is that from you? Uh, it's a couple hours. Yeah, Let's just do a meetup. Yeah. I'll get a plane ticket. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll figure something. Out. I am okay. Santa Barbara meetup. Do they have an Applebee's there? Is that going to be episode 50? We could do 50 (laughs) episode 50 meetup. It'll be around there. there. And yeah, I'm working on a planning a big top secret solar powered project. That's all I'll say. Ooh, Mr. Tesla over here. I think it'll be the biggest sized project I've ever done. I thought you were going to say in the world. I was going to ask if you had any big projects in line since you're trying to like, you were talking about bringing in, you know, other people to kind of do some more of the like the smaller projects. Is that kind of like what you're focusing on is more like try or like kind of transitioning to like some big picture, like really substantial projects. Like yeah, giving himself I, some wiggle room. Yeah. Yep. It, that's pretty much what I was thinking. And I also think it's a, it's a way for information to, to flow through like my team too. Oh, right. Okay. So if, uh, I, I've developed a few sort of techniques that uh, that work well for me with how I sort of like stack plywood or how mm-hmm. I sort of combine copper and, uh, uh, and and wood and things like that. How I sort of, you know, use uh, easy things like construction adhesive and tile and stuff like that. And then my sort of concrete uh, uh, portfolio. I think I have like enough things, but they still are a lot of cool applications uh, and I can really, I've always thought of like my website and stuff as a oh, catalog of furniture. Makes sense. Yeah. Right. Okay. So from a sort of a, a YouTube feed consistency, I want to keep varying it. I don't want to do, okay, here's every type of copper project you can do. Right. But I absolutely have the goal of having a very full library of copper projects for every you know furniture type piece. Mm-hmm. So now that I'm sort of expanding the team where I have sort of two other people making videos, uh, I can start to, you know, uh, and this is where I will storyboard is I'm storyboarding out that catalog of all the furniture pieces I want in that sort of reference library of videos so that, you know, if I'm working on a big thing to kind of bring new institutional knowledge into my group, we're, we're still at the same time making progress on rounding out that catalog. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds really cool. Chris, what's our next question? Okay, so this one kind of fell in line with it. So yeah. Kellen, with the last question, which I know we've gone off on a tangent since then, but comes in from <laughs> Kellen Hooks, and he says, can you guys talk about the gear that you use to film with, computers you edit with, lenses, and the time it typically takes to edit? So I think let's focus on the last part of that because I feel like we've right. talked about the beginning part of it before. So let's I just say so. let's just say you are do a, a video that's going to end up being like eight minutes. You have everything that you need. You have all your music, your voiceovers done, whatever. All you're going to do now, sit down and put it all together. How long do you think that takes you to put together an eight-minute video? You know something that I really like doing, and I don't always do it, and I wish I did, is at the end of the day, because, Mm -hmm. you know, in a day, I probably make like 30 minutes of footage. 
yep. at most, right? 20 minutes of footage. You mean that you capture? Right, that I capture. Okay. Oh. So what what I like to do is I know if, if it is going to be a big project, because 8 to 10 minutes, is, that means it's a pretty big project for me, is at the end of an, every night or at the end of every other night, is bring my SD card in and then just edit that footage. And it'll huh. take me like an hour, 30 minutes to do that day. Right. And then if I do that three or four times, if I'm working on, you know, a big project that'll take a few days, mm-hmm. then all I have to do, you know, if I edit each day, then at the end, all I have to do is like the, the overall edit, then do the voiceover and stuff like that. But, right. but in reality, it probably takes about four or five hours if, okay. I, if I'm going from start to finish, four, five, yeah. six, six maybe. Yeah, for, for me, it takes about an hour to two hours to edit the still images that I use for the images and outros. It probably takes me almost as long to do those two or three still images because uh, I way overshoot for still photography because to really? me, that's the most imp- one of the more important things that I'm sort of capturing. Mm-hmm. And I'm shooting from a whole bunch of different angles. I'm spending way too much time sort of comparing which two images should I use. <laughs> um, and... Uh, so probably an hour to two hours for the still images, uh, which then become the thumbnail and the introductory scene, which I then uh, kick off the editing process with. The first thing I always do is I drag all the, the sort of clips that I'm going to use for that project into the iMovie project. And then I speed them all up to about either 1,000 or 2,000%, just depending <laughs> on how fast I do it. Yeah. So now I have the entire project in there the, the clips are all too long and have extra sort of things. They have me sort of walking over to the camera tripod and hitting the button to turn it off to stop the recording. <laughs> yeah. Um, but even before I do my first cut, I then do the voiceover, right? And my, my rule of thumb is five to 10 seconds per step, which would be sort of like one scene. So if I'm cutting two by fours to length, that's going to be five to, well, that'd be, it's a simple process. So it's like five to eight seconds. So you do kind of the same step Chris does where he does the voiceover kind of before the, the whole edit too. Yeah. Oh, okay. and then I, then I edit to the voiceover so that oh. it's all sort of consistently me, uh, using redundant phrasing too much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, that, that's the general sort of technique. It could range from anywhere from three hours or if, I mean, I, I look at, I, I always think of how long my projects take by sort of how many steps there are. So for like that uh, little stump stool, that was quick. There wasn't a lot of steps. Yeah. I made some cuts with a chainsaw. I burned it. I sanded it. I, you know, turbo planed it. Uh, and then uh, Jamie stained it. And then it's done, right? So it's a quick video. For the, the secret uh, garden inside the wardrobe, that's going to be a longer process. There's there's a lot of steps to that thing. There's a lot of different <laughs> materials. There's electronics. There's Corian. There's f- flowers. There's you know transformational sort of hardware that you know allows it to change from a wardrobe to a writing desk. That's that that video could take me eight hours to edit. Um, so I also have to think of how to explain things uh, a little bit more because there's there's more materials and more sort of complexity. Um, yeah. I also, for a project like that, might make it and then be like, you know what? I need a little more context about what the hell I'm doing, right? (laughs) Because it's not a self-explanatory project. It's not as simple as saying, oh, that's a three-legged stool. That's a side table. An actual living garden growing inside of a wardrobe that turns into a writing desk might need a little bit more explanation. So that one one might take me, you know, eight hours to 16 hours to to edit it and really think about what I'm trying to say there. I think for me, so if I had 
everything just ready to go. And now it's just, I'm sitting in front of a computer editing. I'd say it's probably about a full day's work. So probably like eight hours for a video like that. The, where I usually run into the problem is that there's always things that I need to get to kind of like segue or to like uh, bridge things together. So there'll be like animations that I need to get or like, oh, I'm not explaining this well enough. So I need something to bolster it. So then that ends up taking more time because I do that during the editing process. But yeah, I think that that's a good rule of thumb. Here's here's a kind of interesting question. So let's just each take our last video that we put up. So for me, it was the coffee table that I rebuilt. Mike, for you, it was the stool that you just did. What was your uh-huh. last, what was the last one you put up, Ben? Was it the geometric plant holder things? Uh, the planters, I did a planters and a bench. I did like three in like three days. So right. it's a planters, right, let's, yeah. let's a take the bench one. Bench. Yeah. Let's, let's do, do the, the bench, bench one. Yeah. Let's just say, how many hours do you think you have tied up in everything that's involved with that project? So building it, editing oh, it, any kind of like promoting you're doing on Instagram or whatever, just everything that's tied into a video. How many hours would, say, would you guess? Into the video, I would say. Into ev- yeah, into in, everything. Like into the production of the project, the video. Going back and forth with the sponsor, probably eight hours. <laughs> that's, <laughs> no, that's no, no, less than that. Probably like three hours going back and forth with the sponsor and yeah, like 12 hours total to produce the video. Um, that includes stool, building it, editing it, everything? Getting the materials, everything. So you think 25 hours you easily have produced that whole thing? Oh no, I think I think probably like total like 16 to 18 hours. Okay. Everything start to finish. Dang. Mike, is that stool? normal? Is that average? No, that's less. Okay, that's what I would have thought. Okay, cool. Um so for the stool, granted, the weaving itself took 6 hours. Yep. About like between okay. 5 and 6 hours. So keep that into in mind, but I built the stool over the course of like 3 days, but it's been like 100 degrees every day for the past week in Oklahoma. So I've been working in the morning, taking a siesta in the afternoon, <laughs> and then working at night again. Except I'm not sleeping. I'm just not out in the cool shop because I don't have... Yeah, it's just I'll come in and edit video or I'll talk with sponsors or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but no, so I did it over the course of three or four days, working probably about four days or four or five hours a piece of each of those days. And so I would say about 20 to 25 hours in the project and then another... 10 to 12 hours in the edit the posting the website article all that nonsense as well so probably pushing 40 yeah probably about 40 yeah yeah and for the wardrobe project i'm doing i might have like 60 to 80 hours in that yeah yeah so it's like i'm I'm like all over the place like yeah chris i feel like you're you're probably like for a video and build i would guess 50 i would probably 50 and 60 in there yeah i was gonna say 50 55 is probably about for like the coffee table something like that it's probably around like 50 but yeah for like editing video though i think a really standard for me is about and it depends it depends on if there's an a a lot of color correction i need to do or like other things like that but for the most part it's like about an hour per minute of video yeah. is a pretty good way to, yeah, that, I to think guess that, I, I think that's actually a pretty good rule of thumb. That's a good thumb. rule of thumb. Yeah. What, yeah. One thing that I wanted to bring up is that this is a question I got uh, so often at the sort of video class that I was teaching. And I think there's the single, there's a lot of these sort of like rules of thumb that people always say for YouTube. Right. And the one that I've never really bought into, and I mean, who knows if I'm right, because maybe if I had followed this, I would have twice the subscribers that I do. Or but, half. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I find that the most overrated thing that everyone always talks about with YouTube is consistency. I, in my experience, 
consistency uh, in production schedule hasn't mattered at all. And the more YouTube has changed, it seems to me, especially in terms of audience growth, to matter less and less. Yeah, I think that what it is is that frequency is actually what's more important and consistency fosters frequency for a lot of people. That's perfect. You said it perfectly. Yeah, I I use the word efficiency, right? Right. Like uh, I would say you you shouldn't focus on being consistent. You should focus on being efficient. And if you figure out how to be efficient, you'll have the opportunity to to set your own consistency as a schedule, Yeah. right? But just because you post something... Right. Like, because I think the problem with consistency is that it, it misleads people. They think that's the goal. No, the goal is interesting content <laughs> at a pace that doesn't kill you. Right, um, right. So when you focus on consistency, I think that's when you get a lot of kind of boring shop tour stuff because people yeah. felt like they had to post a video that week. Mm-hmm. Right. And when I look at where my audience has grown, it's been because of unique videos that I've created that have created like disproportionately large surges. Now, yes, the sort of filler content in between uh, is helpful, but to me, it's very much in that sort of, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk kind of advice where he always says, you know, jab, jab, left hook is what he was, and he's talks about in the context of business, you know, that you shouldn't always swing for the fences and you know, exhaust yourself and everything. Sometimes you have great ideas. Sometimes you have okay ideas. When you have an okay idea, be efficient, right? If I'm doing like a quick little stool project or, uh, you know, a two two by four project, I think that was a, you know, the case for all of us is we didn't all necessarily, you know, no shade on you guys, but I don't think for all three of us, it was like us being like, oh, we had a genius two by four project. I think right. it was all, all like, okay, this is a cool thing. Let's just knock this out and get it done and then live to fight another day. <laughs> but I think the danger yep. is when you focus too much on consistency you can sometimes, and it's like a weekly schedule or things like that. I just hope that that doesn't come at the expense of somebody going on like a grand creative adventure, which I think are the moments that really give us a chance to define who we are and, and what we're all about, right? I think the, the, when, I, when I meet people, uh, they tend to remember me for, you know, they go, oh, you're the guy that did that. And it's always a collection of like five or six projects, right? Um, and it's never like, oh, you're the guy that did this, 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 and this, and this. Yeah. It's, it's always something remarkable that did that. Now you still got to feed the beast and, and, and be consistent and efficient and produce the stuff in between. But I just hope that that never comes at the expense of people sort of really, you know, not pursuing a really cool idea because it doesn't right. fit their schedule. Yeah. And right. I think... I think like a simple thing, because I get asked that a lot as well, is talking about consistency. And one thing I talked about on Crafted Podcast is like for people to get started is a common question. And I always tell them like consistency is key. And it's not for the sake of like an algorithm, like the YouTube like algorithm that no one even really knows for sure what, you know, is all going on there. It's just for the sake of quantity of content, right? If you put out 52 videos in a year, I don't care if you took a month and didn't put out a single video, and then the next month you put out twice as many videos as the, as the one after that. It's right. just like if you have 52 videos out, that's 52 chances for people to find you rather than 30 chances for people to find you. And it's and also 52 chances to get better, too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, and that's and real talk, that is the truth. Um, like if you go back 52 videos on my page, they're not they're not that hot and even and 
like even on your videos been like the not the the quality of the 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 builds aren't lower but just like the, the quality of the like the video content itself yep. like the production value's gone up the Pacing. quality's gone up so the more you do the more chance you have to practice you know practice building and practice making videos so be prolific yes yep. yeah i think you talk about it more from almost like a work ethic standpoint of being consistent yeah than be consistent and post on Tuesdays. That's the most important thing. Exactly. Tuesdays, people just focus on Tuesdays. <laughs> right. And I see that as well, too, because like right now I'm on a weekly schedule. I did miss one week because I had it slotted for the mirror, which I picked up today. I forgot oh, to mention that today it? I picked it up. Nice. So all I have to do is attach it to the light box and hang it. So that video will be the first video I put out in. Uh, that'll be my first August video. Um, but I did miss a week already, but the idea of it is I don't care if I post on Monday. I don't care if I post on Friday. I'll post on Saturday. I don't care. Um, it's just like if I just need to get a video out that week because I've seen people and it's nothing against anybody that says I post on Thursdays or I post on Tuesdays, but it's Monday and I have to get a video out tomorrow. What can I throw together? I don't want projects that I just throw together. If I have a cool, if I have a cool idea that happens to only be a few steps, great. But I don't want to have to just make something for the sake of putting a video out for yeah, scheduling's sake. A great and, video on Thursday is better than an average video on Tuesday. That and, is great. And you know what? Put it on a shirt. <laughs> you know what else kills me about like when people talk about YouTube or they give advice to people just getting started like this is that it kind of normalizes and institutionalizes and even makes what's supposed to be or not supposed to be because it can be whatever people want it to be. Right. But it takes what was like an independent media concept and it tries to make it like very corporate like oh there's rules and structure and that's more important than the creative this is your job now no this is your schedule you're not working for hgtv hgtv which by the way i use them as an example in like uh that they're very consistent on their youtube channel hgtv produces publishes like almost like a video or two videos a day holy crap really yeah so Dang. they must have a massive, massive, and they've been doing this since 2006. They have a massive video library, tons of like well-produced video content. Guess how many subscribers? 12. How many? Um, I would say, tell me before I guess, is it over or under 100,000? Oh, it's mm. got to be over. I think it's under. No. It's, they have about as many subscribers as I think Mike did about nine months in. Really? <laughs> How's that possible? Because no one wants to subscribe to somebody that's putting out so much content, just flooding their feed. Right. And I bet I, they're unsub- like I bet they do have a pretty yeah, good maybe subscribe they rate, but their unsubscribe rate well, has to be crazy. Their, their view numbers are so low that it makes their wow. subscriber numbers look. I don't want to say it, but suspicious. Wow. Um, so he, I, I use that as an example, not to totally dog on HGTV because they do fine on television, and I don't know how to make long format things, so they knew it, but. To me, I use it as an example of saying, okay, everyone says that it's about consistency and, oh, what camera should I use, right? Those are the questions. What equipment should I use? And how, what software should I edit it in? And what's your posting schedule? Well, here's total pros making, and they're doing original edit downs and, and original clips for digital. It's not like they're just excerpting and showing trailers. Right. They're consistently posting. They're using professional production and no one's subscribing and even How? fewer people are watching. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I just went to the You're page. How, like, granted, I don't want to make, I mean, obviously, HGTV does pile long on. format let's incredibly. But I mean, let's just talk about it. I mean, that's what the podcast is, right? Let's, 115,000 let's subscribers, 
but of their last 10 videos, one of them has more than a thousand views. And and they're Oof. using like their top tier talent, right? So that's why I tell people yeah. it's about being creative. It's about having good creative. It's like sitcoms wouldn't work that well on YouTube, but a good stand-up uh, comedian can crush it on YouTube. Yeah. Right? So I tell people... Yes, worry about being efficient, learn about all, you know, all those things, but those are more general life lessons. The things that are specific to YouTube are really let yourself have the time and really invest in developing your own creative techniques. That's so to weird. The, to their credit, they've got a few videos almost at a million, but wow. Well, I'll Interesting say this. stuff. To, to bring it back power, to us. Power to the people, the independent people out here. Right. Yeah, crushing so like, HGTV. <laughs> it would be like, you know, remember when independent movies were really big and like, uh, you know, uh, Pulp Fiction, one of my favorite movies from all time. Yeah. When that yeah. first came in. It was great because what was happening it was saying, oh, wait, Miramax in this case was giving reasonable budgets to people that were outside of the typical structure. Yeah. So they weren't producing movies and directing movies in the normal way. And they were taking chances on people that were doing nonlinear st- storytelling and all these cool things. What would be a shame, I mean, you, you know, digital platforms are, are kind of similar in, in even a more democratic way. Is that they're saying, oh, here's free bandwidth and, you know, upload stuff. And there's a way you can build it and monetize it. And so it's, you know, now that these things have been around for a while, it's funny that even when people don't have bosses, they they crowdsource a whole bunch of information and take best practices from their peers. So even though they don't have a boss, they act like they have rules that they have to follow. Oh. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So it's like yeah. they construct a boss or rules out of you know quasi-collective wisdom and best practices. And then they sort of, wait, I thought you... <laughs> That you wanted to go independent so you could so you could do whatever you want. Do you think um, people just have a secret yearning to just be told what to do? I think they have a fear that they're doing it wrong. Oh, okay. Um, and I think if you never have that fear, you are doing it wrong. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. So, but <laughs> it, 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 again, I think it's a, just a reason why uh, every once in a while, you know, it's, it's still be mostly structured, but every once in a while, just let yourself off the leash and, and go nuts and, and try weird stuff. Cool. Awesome. I think that's a pretty good show, man. I think those were really good questions. They led to really great conversations. So shout out. Who asked them? We got, that was, I forgot. All right. I'll dub it back in from the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's too much work. Thank you though for the questions. If you guys want to give us more questions, either hit us up on, you know what? Actually, if you want to give us a question, the best way to do that is give us a five-star review included in the review. And then uh, why don't you just go ahead and also hit us up on Instagram because that's easier for us to find. And make sure um, if you do do that and you email us, put five-star review and question so that I perfect. know to look at it. And yeah. also, I guess we can go ahead and mention this. Okay. We're not we're not copying the Making It podcast, although Uh-oh. they did do it first, so we got to give them credit. Uh-oh. Uh, and this was – so Evan and Caitlin helped them with this, and then they offered oh, to yeah. help us with it as well yeah. uh, to put together a, a subreddit, yeah. which will – I think it'll be really beneficial because it's a really easy place to look at questions and for people to comment about things that they heard on the show or whatever, upvote questions that they like. So yep. in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be getting one of those together. And once that's all ready, we'll, we'll announce it here. But that'll probably be a really good place to foster these kind of conversations. I think so, yeah. And uh, I created a Reddit. So, and I posted my first, uh, whatever it's called. What do you oh, call like it when account? you post? Yeah, a when post? you post. Yeah, I did my first post. I posted that stool 
on the r slash uh, paracord because I thought okay. maybe because I thought maybe people could give me some tips like oh you definitely shouldn't have used that type of knot or something like that. I figured I'd get some actually yeah. like, good constructive criticism out of it. So so you definitely blew it. So I'll be there. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think my I don't think it even got posted because it, I've got a new account. I think it's got to wait to get. It to could some, be yeah yeah they really like check to make sure like things aren't being spammed and stuff. Yeah. So I don't even think it's actually posted right cool yeah so but anyways um do we want to do a hypothetical or do we want to close it out uh we could either do that or are you guys got oh, what, what are you guys obsessed, obsessed with? with let's there do that go. okay all right what do you got um i'm not this is not my what i'm obsessed with and i'm also not being paid by by how i built this um but <laughs> but, but i'm the obsessed one that came with it out, and they're paying me but i am still obsessed with it and uh the the one that they put out the past um this week i think is Samuel Adams, the guy that made Sam Adams the brewery. Yeah. Crazy good interview. To anybody, I would especially recommend that to anybody that's like younger. Um, maybe you're in school or maybe you're thinking about going to school, uh, like, you know, college or university, whatever. Listen to that one because it was a, I don't know, it was a, it was a great interview. And then listen to it with that perspective. I think you'll gain a lot from it. Um, what I'm actually obsessed with, though, that is a good question. Uh, Chris, you go ahead, and then I'll follow up. All right, I'm going to plug myself for this week's hey, obsessed. <laughs> wow. <it> <laughs> Let me run to my closet real quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, now that I'm plugged. Uh, so <laughs> I've been enjoying those Instagram pictures that I've been posting lately with the scrolling thing. You know, No, that was a cool little feature, yeah. Yeah, it it's fun. Smart. I've had a few people tell me, oh, man, I'm definitely stealing this. And I say, go for it. Yeah. So I put it out there. Do it. Yeah. You just frame. It's just. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to understand how you did it. Yeah, you Don't give away your secret. Don't even give away your secret. Right, people, here's what it's you're going to do. Right? Don't do this. Don't do this. First, send me a check <laughs> in the mail for $10,000. There you go. And then come oh, to my to seminar. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. On Instagram. Closet. But yeah, go check out Four Eyes Furniture on Instagram. And you can see those pictures that I'm talking about and enjoy them. And then and figure out how to yourself. do it for yourself independently. Yeah. Anybody can hack, <laughs> hack together a version for themselves. Yeah, for real. Uh, ben? Ben. I'm going to give a plug to... Uh, Me. Uh, 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 no. Oh. You, no. <laughs> you've already <laughs> done said, that I will nicely <laughs> to yourself. I need to be plugged uh, again. <laughs> no, I'm getting to uh, a upcoming weekend show guest, uh, Corey Decker from Sawdust to Stitches. Yeah. Uh, she's a super talented maker and... Uh, also just has like an incredible aesthetic for interior design. And I don't think it's that common that you see those two skill sets together. There's, there's a ton of great sort of, you know, home interior stylist and uh, uh, sort of home bloggers and stuff like that. But a lot of them don't go heavy on the actual building of stuff. Right. And uh, they can't home... all be like your boy over here. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just uh, kidding. So... <laughs> Uh, her uh, Instagram account is where I would sort of start, and that's Sawdust, the number two, and then Stitches. And uh, yeah, it's like what's cool is that every image is like a perfectly styled room with like a piece that she's built in it. And then on her website, she has a bunch of plans so you can actually build the same pieces and have like a, the catalyst to sort of you know achieving that same sort of overall style. And I think that's something that you know that certainly I neglect a little bit too much is, you know, people don't always just want one great piece of furniture, right? 
it's like they want that piece of furniture as an ingredient into a nicer or more useful or more convenient or better looking home. In our sort of space, you know, the YouTube space, and I think that's, Mike, I think that's one of the reasons why your bathroom project, uh, that video did so well, is because yeah, you're tying so. in the DIY, that the, the builds and that stuff and the, and the making technique into the overall outcome, which is people sort of Looking goals, for design, right? kind of, yeah. So... I think she's a great example of sort of doing both of those things and uh, just a you know, pretty awesome person and uh, definitely be look on the lookout for the weekend show because we cover some interesting material and we even talk about one of her more controversial projects uh, and how that all sort of played out. So yeah. it's hard to imagine really like DIY design being controversial, but uh, there's a people, few topics. People make something out of anything. There's a few topics that uh, rile up Americans, so. Uh, check out the weekend show and that's Corey Decker from sawdust Two stitches right on. And then my suggestion or my, my shout out is going to be the channel DIY Pete, which, um, yeah, yeah, I I met him. Yeah. Yeah. I know he does a lot. I know he's worked with, uh, with quick some is he's done quite a few concrete projects and he does a lot of really cool stuff, but he came out with a video. Um, I don't think I would have built it the same way, but I loved the concept. Is the his most recent video is a, like a DIY Murphy bar, so it was for his like back porch or his kind of like outdoor area. It's essentially like a like a, almost a cabinet that mounts to the wall, and then the whole front face of it is on a hinge and then folds down into a bar top. Um, nice. So it's like a fold away bar essentially. Um, it was really also, cool. Check that out. It was really smart. Just like the just the idea that I think was really smart. So go check that out. Give him a subscribe, and then watch his other videos as well because he makes a lot of really cool. Yeah, Pete's stuff. a Pete's a great guy. I got to meet he him uh, for the first time, and uh, yeah, just awesome dude. Good 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 projects too. Good projects, good content, good stuff. Awesome. Good guy. Well, thank you guys for all of the topic suggestions. Keep them coming because, I mean, especially like this, we could come up with our own ideas, but then again, we can kind of let a question lead us into whatever a topic wants to come out of that. So uh, keep feeding us, keep giving us reviews. I'll keep sending you stickers. If you want to do that, just send me a screenshot of your review. Email modernmakerpodcast at gmail.com with your shipping address. I'm still getting people sending me emails without shipping info. Give me shipping info, guys. I can't send it to you if there's no shipping info. Um, But other than that, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Look forward to the weekend show. We've got more one-on-one interviews in the pipeline. So I'm looking forward to those. I hope you guys enjoy those as well. So have fun, and we'll see you next time on the Modern Maker Podcast. Later.